What's up, y'all? Got another fifth and long for you this week. We're talking mostly NFL stuff, and this one previewing the playoff picture scenarios for the remaining contending teams in the AFC and NFC. We're going over some stuff that we saw from last week as well, but this is mostly geared towards uh, previewing our final week of the season. Can't believe week 18 is finally here. This the season has been so long. Uh, we also talk a little bit of fantasy football stuff as well, of course. But before we get into that, really quickly just want to touch on some of the NBA action that took place last night. Spurs, Bucks, incredible game. Wembenyama really went toe-to-toe with Giannis for four quarters. Giannis outscored him. The Bucks won. But the Spurs made Milwaukee sweat, and, and it came down to the final possession, really, of the game where Trey Jones missed a wide-open three-pointer in the quarter. After the game, Giannis was quoted in his press conference saying something along the lines of, I, I, this isn't the exact quote, but he was saying that I've never seen a guy do what Giannis can do in the NBA, really just echoing the sentiment of how special a player he is, which is things you were hearing all through the NBA draft process. A lot of it seemed overhyped, overhyped because he was getting LeBron comparisons and, and this and that, people saying he's the most talented prospect we've seen since Bron well. <laughs> if you watched that game last night, you saw you saw what I saw, and you saw what Giannis saw, and Giannis spoke for for everybody, and and I'm glad he did. Um, the Spurs aren't a very good team; they don't have a lot of pieces around Wembenyama, but he is a he, he's special man, and, and he can do some things that nobody that size should be able to do. It was really really impressive. Then the other game we had Warriors and Nuggets. Came down to the last shot as well. Nikola Jokic hits an incredible buzzer beater from half court off glass, basically off one leg. This was a really big game for the Warriors as well. They've had a tough season to start the year. They're out of the playoff picture right now. There's a lot of season left, but the trade deadline is right around the corner. And this was a game against the defending NBA champions. You were leading by 16 points with five minutes left. I think it was, might've been 18. And they end up giving the game up. And I don't really know what Golden State's move is because Draymond, you just extended him, right? And, and he's supposed to be coming back pretty soon. Clay is making a lot of money. They're really trying to lean more on their younger players. We'll probably do a, a bigger NBA segment and, and get more in-depth on this pretty soon here. But my point I'm making is Golden State's been struggling and... For some reason, people are, again, forgetting about Nikola Jokic and, and how good of a player he is. It's incredible it took until his finals win last year for, for most casual basketball fans to really say, all right, yeah, this guy's this guy's pretty incredible, but he's only missed four shots from the field in his last five games combined. Like, what? That, that, <laughs> that doesn't make sense, but it's true. And um, he's really a generational type player it's just the things he can do in terms of not just scoring the ball but also getting his teammates involved and he reads the game sort of like a really really good soccer midfielder almost it's very very unique and there's a lot of NBA season left so we're gonna have plenty of time to to talk more about this in the future really excited for some basketball content we have coming up um, with the turn of, of the new month Also, we're going to have some March Madness stuff as well, some college basketball-themed conversations on the podcast. But 
For now, this is our NFL episode for the week. Thanks again for tuning in. You've got another episode of Fifth and Long right here, right now. All right, Fifth and Long fans. Once again, back again this week, Patrick DeMar, Paul Kaczak, the commish in the house, in the old heezy. Uh, following up on our segments earlier this week on the Cleveland Browns and some college football stuff. Now we've got our NFL playoff uh, fiesta for week 18. This is crazy, man. I th- This is such a long season now with 18 weeks. It feels like a marathon and then another marathon after it. I don't know if there's an an ultra marathon. Whatever whatever's longer than an ultra marathon. A really long race, basically. I'm not much of a runner. I, I do about three miles Neither on am the I. treadmill. Neither I am do I. about three miles on the treadmill. I feel like I'm uh, about topped out. So uh I don't know. I didn't even know that there was an ultra marathon, to be honest with you. How many miles is that? Ultra marathon? I don't know. I, I know that there are um like a hundred mile races that people do. Um, Who's absurd enough to run a hundred miles at a time? I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather just sit and talk sports all the day. Oh wait, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, but eighteen weeks. This is now. Is this the second or third year that we're doing this? Third, second? Uh, it's at least third. Um, and you know what? It's uh, so seventeen games, eighteen weeks. Uh, you know, I think it's just going to keep going up. We're going to get to eighteen game seasons at some point. We'll have nineteen movie seasons. We'll see if they keep going from there. You know, the that- extra week you add is more money, more money, more drama. Gives more teams like keeps more teams in it longer. It's just the nature of the NFL. It's all business. Does that mean there'll be? more playoff teams too do we see eight seats instead of seven yeah possible i mean when we uh when we did bump up here to 17 games we we saw seven teams so i don't think it's ludicrous to assume that you know maybe we'll get an eighth team when uh when we bump to 18 games don't know when that'll happen but it'll happen in somewhere in the near future mark my words before we really dive into all the implications of results for this coming weekend russell wilson no longer the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He got benched since our last episode. This was something that was teased a little bit early in the year when Denver was really struggling. I think after the game where Miami put 70 on them, there might've been a conversation about this. That's where the idea first, first came to fruition. And now after that loss to the Patriots, (laughs) uh russ is done jared stidham takes over former new england patriot actually which i think is kind of funny (laughs) and uh yeah now now the question is 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 russ done in denver where's where's he gonna end up next year if he is could it be could it be in new england could it be pittsburgh could it be uh new orleans or who knows i mean yeah man i i don't know where he's gonna end up i heard that this was confirmed 
Or I've heard reports say that uh, after that uh, Chiefs flu game that uh, Sean Payton or somebody within the den, I believe it was Sean Payton, went to Russell Wilson and said that, you know, they're going to move on from him. Like, so Russ has known about this from for weeks that this was the season was ultimately trending towards this. And I think about that crazy after you, you finally beat the Chiefs and, and that's the news that he, that he gets. Um, I don't think Russ is like Russ's stats on the surface look good this year. 26 touchdowns, eight picks. He's got over 3,000 okay. yards. He's, he's been pretty good. But what I was getting into is if you look at some of the underlying stats, you look at his passer rating and QBR where they stack up this year. It's not great. He is uh, in QBR. He ranks. Give me just a second. He ranks 21st out of uh, 30 eligible quarterbacks. And then when you go to passer rating, um, he's 20th. So, I mean, he, by that standard, you look at QBR and passer rating, which encompasses more than honestly, I know uh, he, they technically has been a bottom third quarterback. Now, again, his stats have looked a little bit better than that. Uh, I, this is confusing to me. Why like Denver, they give up so much to get him, And now after two years, they're just going to move on. I mean, I know that they, it hasn't really resulted in wins since getting him there, but like, I think with, when you give up the draft picks that they did to get him, you got to stick it out. Right. Well, the, the big reason why this decision happened when it did was because they were able to miss out on as much salary as they did. I think it was like, I saw it was like upwards of 30, maybe even 40 million. Yeah, they're going to clear cap space big time. Yeah, and now they can go and get other players. Um, receivers, linemen, you know, like a running back. They need all these things. Um so it's it's going to be good, I think, for for Denver in the in the long run. Like, I don't think they're going to. I didn't really see them winning a, a playoff game with Russ in their future. Like, even when they made the trade, to be honest, I've I think I've thought that Denver was overrated for for a few years. I don't get all the hype around them every off season. Everybody just loves to be like, "Oh, the Broncos are going to be good next year." No, they're not. <laughs> uh, so I. I don't know. I um, I don't know where he's going to end up. It definitely doesn't surprise me that the decision was made, but it's not like he's he's lost a step off his he's lost a bit off his fastball, but it's not like he doesn't still have a fastball. He's not like Jamie Moy- Moyer territory where he's throwing what eighty three. Or whatever, 82, 83. He's, uh, he's probably Jamie, Moy- Jamie Moyer won games without even touching 80 miles per hour. I'm pretty sure he was the first pitcher, maybe the only pitcher still in MLB history to start and win a game even more to my point. Miles an hour. Like you can still you still you can still win games without your fastball. And I, I don't think he's the biggest reason why they've struggled as a team. Like they've they've got other glaring issues, like the O-line that I mentioned, like their defense at times, giving up 70 points to the Dolphins, even though it's the Dolphins. I uh, I don't know, man. Where do you see him? Would you pin a spot on him to land next year? I already have Daniel Jones in Atlanta, so the Falcons are off the board. Um, Atlanta was one of the teams that I was thinking about. Uh, I haven't really given too much thought as to to where he might end up. Um, trying to think where else uh, could make sense for him. Yeah, Atlanta was the first one. Maybe maybe New England. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if they. I don't know if they'd make a move like that. Uh, I don't honestly, I don't know exactly what it would take to to get him draft pick wise, everything like that. So, how about Minnesota? 
Mm. Maybe uh, I kind of I I think that I think people are overlooking like I think Kirk Cousins could be back there. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if if Minnesota at least could they'll go after Kirk they'll offer him something. But I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Kirk maybe takes a little bit of a discount. Um, he is coming off an injury. I know that Justin Jefferson advocated for uh, Kirk Cousins just a week or two ago. He loves it there too. You, you always yeah. see pictures of him with his family out at like. Twins yeah. games or like Timberwolves games or something. I'm not willing to say that uh, Kirk and Minnesota are going to split at the end of this year. I know that's a somewhat popular opinion. Um, Didn't he start the, I saw a video of him starting the, the clap thing that the Vikings fans do before one of their games. I think it was this past weekend actually. And he was like at the top row of the stadium, like, shirtless with a big like Flava Flav style clock hanging around his neck. Yeah. Kirk's got swag. I didn't see that video, but that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> you Kirk don't do that if swag. you're not coming back <laughs> to the Vikings. There's no way. I think he'd like to, I, I think both parties would like to, we'll see what the the dollar sign value is. Um, what about, what about Tampa Bay? That was a team I just thought of. I, we talked about Baker Mayfield uh, potentially, you know, getting a new contract, maybe moving on somewhere else because he's had such a good season. I don't think it's maybe a foregone conclusion that Tampa Bay brings him back. He might go to the highest bidder. I, maybe he doesn't want to leave either, though. I mean, you've got Mike Evans there, a Hall of Fame receiver. You've got Chris Godwin's a pretty decent number two. Like Rashad White is evolving into a solid running back as well. There's still pieces left over from a Super Bowl winning defense. Like, I, I don't... I don't think there are Minnesota, I think would be a team. Maybe he could go to that would elevate his game. Actually, like who's uh, he is. Are we talking Baker, about Baker? Mayfield, Baker, Baker? Baker. Okay. Yeah. Whereas um, Russ, I kind of think I was sort of teasing Minnesota. I don't think he'll actually end up there. I think it's more likely he ends up in like, a like Atlanta, <laughs> legitimately Atlanta. Cause Jones, I don't know if they're actually going to move on from him now, especially considering uh, they probably won't now at this point, considering the fall of Tommy Cutlets, our golden child. <laughs> your but your golden child. My golden child. All right, all right, all right. Um, that's enough Tommy Cutlets. But, yeah, I could see him in Atlanta. Um, Drake London, I, I think, could use an actual quarterback to throw him footballs instead of Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke. And... Um, that would open up the run game a little bit too. He's got Kyle Pitts there. He's, he's had a history of a rapport with tight ends, Jimmy Graham back in Seattle when he was there for a little bit, you know? So I could see a little something there. I, I don't, I'd have to like really look in depth at some other options um, around the league, but I, I would probably say Atlanta is a solid bet. Yeah. None, nonetheless, Maybe even yeah. Washington, like the commanders, isn't he from around there actually? Um, I'm not aware of that. I know he, I think he's from the Wisconsin area personally, because I, I know he went to either he went to Wisconsin and NC State, but I could be I could be wrong on that. Um, I uh, the commanders I think are not the command commanders doesn't make sense to me. They're going to get a really good draft pick. I think that they're going to be looking at one of these young quarterbacks. Um, like Russ is at the stage in his career right now where I think he's a little bit too old. Like to I, I don't think he's got it in him to make another Super Bowl run anymore I think he's still good but like when you look at a team like Washington they're going to opt with the opportunity that they have to get a young really talented quarterback um, in a quarterback class that's really deep that we've talked about um, 
that being said, I still feel really bad for Russell Wilson, like the way that this has gone down. I think he's kind of been done dirty by Denver here. Um, I think that's also part of the reason why Denver's moving on with him. It's like they want, they, I think, might want to turn things to a young quarterback. Want a fresh start. Yeah, I think Jared Stidham might be just a little bit of a stopgap here, and they're going to be looking for a young quarterback. I don't know. They're not going to draft high enough this draft to get one, but you know, maybe things don't look so good next year, and, and Sean Payton's going to just completely kind of start a rebuild. They are going to have a lot of cap space, like you said, to build around a potential young talent. So I think that that's probably the direction here, and it's unfortunate, right, because you know Denver – Brought Russ in last year with Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, that didn't work out. And then he's changing coaches right away, changing offenses. It's tough. Like, it's tough for a guy like Russ, who I think has improved this year. I don't know. It's kind of set up for failure here in Denver, the, the way things have worked out, going from Hackett and then a, a coach in Peyton, who I think probably wanted a young guy rather than a vet. Yeah, Peyton never wanted him from the start. Peyton was given the keys to a car he didn't like. <laughs> he's like a pure like american sports car like chevy or like mustang kind of guy somebody gave him a porsche instead <laughs> uh, i i don't know i don't know what kind of car sean payton drives nor do i really care but or like um, a not a porsche is russell wilson's not a porsche it's like a like a mitsubishi I don't know. That's pretty disrespectful to call russell mitsubishi but <laughs> nonetheless um uh, man, you made me lose my train of thought now. <laughs> uh, uh, wait, back to back to the Commanders, though. Um, great movie, Cars. Back to the Commanders. Uh, Russell Wilson graduated from uh, a high school in Richmond, Virginia. Okay, all right. So I was wrong on that. So good call, good call there. I could see, I could see that honestly. They've got isn't Magic Johnson in their ownership group now? Um. He might be. They have a, they have a whole bunch of Magic Johnson's going to follow up Yoshinobu Yamamoto and Shohei Otani with Russell Wilson. <laughs> How much of his contract is deferred? <laughs> I don't think you can do that in the NFL, right? Because they have a salary cap like baseball should have. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Right. That's a discussion for another time. No, it's okay. We just did a whole thing anyways. Yeah. Let's get into playoff seating. Teams that are locked in. Starting in the AFC, the Ravens clinch the number one seed. Can I say something about Baltimore? Yeah, go ahead, please. I want to this hear gonna, this. This is going to shock people. Um, Baltimore is the best team in the NFL. I've been wrong, still saying it might be San Francisco, or, or I, I'm not. I'm not changing my Super Bowl pick per se, but um, this is dominance. Lamar is deserving of the MVP. Um, I. I I was in Baltimore this past week, obviously visiting back home. I caught a lot of flack from our our, our listeners down there. Baltimore, Baltimore's clicking on all cylinders. They are like by far the best team right now in the NFL. It's tough for me to admit, and Lamar's deserving of the MVP. So I think that that's going to be difficult. It's, it is difficult for me to say. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised to hear that, but it needs to be said from somebody who's like still holding out on giving the Ravens credit throughout the year. Not going to do that. Not going to do that this podcast. Acceptance is the first step, Paul. That was a beatdown, dude. That Miami, yeah. like, I mean, Miami, it, like, I just don't know about that team. They just crumble when they face anybody half decent. But well, once Bradley Chubb went out, that was kind of like you sort of felt like they didn't. That was just such an emotional blow that it is. And they've they're already missing Jalen Phillips as and well. And Tyreek's banged up. Like, 
Did you see that his house caught on his house, fire? His house caught on fire. I didn't see it. I heard it on the radio what, today. Yeah. What I noticed the most from his house being on fire was the overhead photos they were showing of the house being on fire and him being outside safely with his family, by the way. Glad you're healthy and safe, Tyreek. Was that he was in a walking boot? Oh, I did not see that. Did not I, know that. He was in a walking boot. I swear. Go and mm. look at the picture. He was in a walking boot. I believe it. So I will take a look later, though. Also, like the Ravens defense was nasty. We've been talking about them a lot this year too. They, their defense, I think is as is when fully healthy is as good, if not better than the Browns. It's like neck and neck. Oh, it's not neck and neck. They are better. They, I, I said that last week that they, uh, they got the top point um, opponent points for against opponent points against how many times have I blundered that one? And they got the top turnover differential. Um, Kyle Hamilton didn't even play in this game and they still shut down Miami. So it's like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just, they're just that damn good. Both sides of the ball. And I can't even say that. Like I was about to say, well, uh, Cleveland has miles Garrett and Baltimore doesn't really have a pass rusher like that, but they have Justin, Justin, uh, Matabike, who who's got 13 sacks now career high for him tied for eighth in the league. They do have a solid pass rusher. They've got solid players all over the place. Kyle Hamilton is a pro bowler. Those rosters got announced today as well. So it's like, you're right. There's talent all over the field. And Lamar is finally in an offense that is trying to show off his capability as a passer, like what he can actually do. And he's got pieces around him that can make it possible. It's not like, like this isn't, OBJ from six, seven years ago. And Zay Flowers is an awesome talent, but he's not playing at his peak, you would say. These aren't guys you would pick even from the top probably 15 guys in the league as receivers, right? Maybe 10. Um, I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't pick OBJ as a top 15 guy now just because of his age and um, the injury history with the ACL. But but I mean, Zay, like Zay Flowers isn't in the top 10. Is he in the top 15? Maybe. I don't know, 20? No, not right now. But he's a guy who's trending that way. It's just, I mean, this is just his first year. I would not be surprised at all whatsoever if at the end of next year we we are crowning Zay Flowers as a top 15 or fringe top 10 receiver. I think, he, I think he's a very good talent. First round talent, um, still developing, but I think he's evolving into a top 15 guy. Certainly, Lamar, though, left no doubt as to him being the front runner for the MVP. 18 of 21, 321 yards, five touchdowns, another 35 on the ground. That was the crazy thing to me. Like, he didn't even really have to use his legs that much. He just had clean pockets to throw from and diced up Miami's secondary, which, by the way, has Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard as their number one and two corners, two guys that are all pro cornerbacks. Jalen Ramsey at one point was considered the best defensive player in the league or, or one of the two or three best defensive players in the league. He played on the same team as Aaron Donald. So uh, at least number two, <laughs> but yeah, man, I, who's, who's got the best chance to contend with them in the AFC. Well, you're not going to like my answer. I feel like I know where you're going with it, but I, I will I'm going to clap back if you say Buffalo so fast because the Patriots had them on the ropes that whole game. Josh Allen is playing like ass. Okay. He's more of a running threat right now than a passing threat, but go and look at how many of his games in the last 
seven, eight weeks, he's he his completion percentage is at like 55% or less or somewhere abouts there. I think it's 57% is his highest of that sort of group. But I just don't like that's not a recipe for a Super Bowl winning team. I don't see it. I don't see it. That's fair. I know you're not a Buffalo guy. That wasn't who I was going to say. But how about how about this? How about how about how about we run through the rest of like what the AFC playoff picture looks like as of now in the scenarios, and when we get to this team that I think has the best chance to compete with Baltimore, I'll I'll call them out. Okay, because I, as you can tell, I was sure you were going to say the Bills. Um, Miami, the current number two seed. Okay, glad you didn't say them. <laughs> um, Thumbs down. Yep. Thumbs down. Here, here's what I will say about Miami. They are not going to win the division. They will not be the two seed. They will have to play all of their games on the road. Buffalo is going to win that division. They're going to win this week in Miami. I don't know. Miami. I think I think Miami could win. I saw a quote from Mike McDaniel. Uh, he was mic'd up. And during the game, he was talking to Tua when they were down. I don't think it was at the end, end of the game. But it was after they had taken Tua out. He was saying, like no, man, we don't need to be angry or upset or like like throw our helmets down or anything like that. We're going to take this ass whooping and learn everything about it and understand that everything that we still want to accomplish is in front of us. And all we got to do is go win the AFC East next week. Like just hearing him say that made me want to run through a wall for the guy. I have a feeling in Miami in January – Weather's a little bit different from Buffalo where the Bills have been comfortable recently. That's a trap game. It has been for the Patriots for like 20 years, man. I, I've seen it year after year after year. I can see it with Buffalo again this week. And I, I kind of want to, actually. I would I would love to see Buffalo miss the playoffs. But if they yeah. beat Miami, they clinch the division. So it's like this in and of itself is going to feel like a playoff game, which I am very excited about. Appointment viewing for this game, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm just looking at track record. You know, to, to me, those are hollow words from McDaniel. Uh, I didn't see the clip you're talking about, but at the end of the day, this is the team that gets beat and beat bad when they play a good team. And they beat up on the on the bad teams. That's just how I look at them. And they're playing a good football team. I, I know that you don't share as high of an opinion on Buffalo as I do, but I think Buffalo is the better football team with a better quarterback. Um, you mentioned Tyreek in a walking boot. Maybe that hinders him as well. I like the Bills in this one, despite uh, where the game's being played. So so we'll see. I, I think that they win that game. Well, Bailey Zappi threw three picks in, uh, in that Patriots-Buffalo game. And uh, the Pats also had a fumble that we lost. We had four turnovers and a missed field goal. And Buffalo only beat us by six. So... I'm aware Buffalo Buffalo's played down to competition plenty of times this year. They've also played up to it, you know, dude, I'm telling you, if we just had like not even a good quarterback, just someone who doesn't suck, we would be 500 right now. And in the playoff competition, uh, I don't want to talk about it. Anyways, um, Miami say they lose this week. They're wild card team. All right. What's their playoff longevity? in that situation. Cause I, I think if they're the two seed, you could probably count them for one win. Like you could see them in the divisional round for sure. But after that, it's up in the air. It depends on who they play. What about if they're I, a wild card team? 
I think one playoff win either way is their ceiling. I mean, they, they could get matched up with, uh, so I know the Browns are resting Joe Flacco this week. Um, I don't know who has the tiebreaker Cleveland or like if Buffalo is able to beat Miami in this one and Cleveland, cause Cleveland's 11 and five. So if Cleveland were to lose and be 11 and six and, and uh, Miami loses as well, they'd have the same record. I'm not sure who has the tiebreaker in that situation, but um, one way or the other, like if Miami was somehow able to get matched up with uh, like the AFC South winner, they could win that one. But I think their ceiling is one playoff win, whether they're playing at home or away um, as the two or, or the or the five or six. The Browns are locked into the five seed no matter what. Okay. All right. So yeah, if they're, they're locked, locked in the, if they're locked into the five seed, Miami, I say their ceiling would be a playoff victory if they are the two seed because they would get uh the seven, if that's the case. If Cleveland's locked into the five, that means Miami, if they lose this game, is gonna be the six. I'm gonna have to go on the road against Kansas City, and I would give Miami less than 10% chance to win that football game. So I think that their ceiling is one playoff win. One playoff win. Max. Max. Miami and Kansas City did play early in the year. Kansas City won that game 21-14. Um, yeah, I I don't know. They kind of have to win this week, you think, just to give themselves a chance. Yeah, that's a huge swing there. I didn't realize that Cleveland was for certain locked into the five. Um, I give them very little chance to win in Kansas City. Kansas City, by the way, if since we're bringing them up now, that's uh, that's a team I think could still beat Baltimore. And the reason I thought you were really, gonna so, yeah, the reason I thought you were going to be so mad is because I was going to use the excuse that you that you don't like hearing. It's just that they have Patrick Mahomes. I trust Patrick Mahomes. He's the best quarterback in football. No, that that I can like handle. That I can take and be like, all right, sure, because I've seen it with Brady so many times, like. The best just know how to flip the switch when it matters the most. And it's like cruise control. Um, and he won last year with the Chiefs last year didn't struggle as much throughout the year as the Chiefs this year have. But I think you saw with Pacheco back, they look like a totally different team. Like he just gives them an edge in the run game that they don't have otherwise, which opens things up enough for other guys to make some plays and rice is now like he's their clear cut guy. It seems in terms of who Mahomes is getting the ball to the most. Um, Kelsey is, has been really quiet recently and he's still like the number two scorer in fantasy leagues, which is crazy, but he's basically disappeared the second half of the season. Taylor Swift has the real Travis Kelsey in like Bora Bora or something. And this is, his clone that she has uh, created <laughs> who's not as good at football. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's all the Taylor Swift noise with, uh, with Travis Kelsey. Yeah. It's been a down year for him. Um, it'll be, it'll be crucial for the chiefs to block out that noise, block out the, you know, the haters that are saying that they're, they're not that good this year and, and all the Taylor Swift mumbo jumbo and just focus on winning football games and not expecting it's going to be given to them because they won it last year. But like you said, Patrick Mahomes, uh, best in the league. Brady could turn it on when he needed to. Mahomes has already done it. I believe that he can do it again. Um, I think they are. But wait, 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 wait. Still Baltimore's biggest threat. How many wins against good teams does Kansas City have? 
They lost against Detroit in week one. They beat Jacksonville in week two. Jacksonville's not that great. Okay. They they lost to Denver. They beat Miami, who you just said beats the good teams, and that's it. They yeah, lost that, to that's still Philly. A team with a, that's still a team with a winning record. They lost to Green Bay. They lost to Buffalo. They lost to Vegas. They beat Cincy with a backup quarterback and no Jamar Chase. Like they beat Minnesota. They beat Minnesota when they had Kirk. That's not nothing. Yeah, I guess that would be like that. And Miami would be the two picks. Yeah, those are their two best wins. I mean, it, I mean, their resume is not nearly as strong this year, but you know, like I, I said, I'm throwing it out the window. We talked about this a few weeks ago, though. I, I just don't know if I trust them. I feel like I. Because Travis Kelsey isn't playing at an otherworldly level, you almost feel like he's going to have to do that down the stretch this week. Like, I'll put it to you this way. Um, at the end of Gronk's career, right, he wasn't the same guy that he was when he was just coming into the league where he was a threat to score a touchdown every single game. But you knew he was going to probably make three or four big catches at some point that were going to impact the game, whether it was on like a third and long with like three minutes left in the fourth or something in the red zone in like the end of the first half, right. To, to put the team within the five or something like that, making a catch over two guys. Like I need to see that from Kelsey down the stretch for them. I think they need that from Kelsey down the stretch to win. I don't think they can beat, Baltimore or the the cream of the crop in the NFL with just Pacheco and Rice. I think they're going to need Kelsey to show up and and do some things too. And their defense that we heard all this talk about in the beginning of the year is going to need to show up as well. Where have they been the last few weeks? I mean, I wholeheartedly agree about um, agree on Travis Kelsey. He's going to need to make plays, made plays last year. And I agree that like, Somewhere along the road, along a playoff stretch, he's going to need to make a big play, either score that touchdown or, or set them up. Um, I think their defense has been fine, though. I mean, you like, listen to the, some of the point totals from the past, let's do the past uh, six weeks. So 17 against the Raiders, they gave up, gave up 27. Against who? With Aiden O'Connell? I mean, still 17 points, man. You hold an NFL team to 17 points when you got Patrick Mahomes, you're going to win that football game. Yeah, sorry, they, sorry to interrupt you. I didn't. They get they give up twenty seven to Green Bay, which didn't look too hot. They gave up only twenty to Buffalo. They gave up seventeen to your Pats, then twenty to the Raiders, which those were two defensive touchdowns. So their defense really only gave up uh, six points in that one, um, and then seventeen to the Bengals last week. Like the defense has been fine, in my opinion. We'll see. Like they haven't had the most challenging offensive stretch, although Buffalo is a pretty good offensive team and held them to twenty. Um, but I. It is crazy to think like their offense, I think, has more question marks right now than their defense. But what we can say about the offense is it was here last year and it did it last year. And I think that they they can find their best stretch of play here in the most crucial moments in a, in a playoff in a playoff stretch. I think, you know, they're going to face. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into who they might face in a, in a little bit here. They should be good when their first matchup in Arrowhead and then it and then it would get interesting after that facing either Miami or Buffalo. I guess there is also a conversation that like they could have 12 wins if it wasn't for um, 13, actually, if it wasn't for a missed pass interference 
uh, the the offensive offsides, <laughs> and then right. Kadarius Tony having money on the Lions. <laughs> or and you forgot Marcos Valdez Scantling dropping a beautiful ball from Patrick Mahomes, you know, at the goal line. Against yeah, Philadelphia, that, against Philadelphia. That's my point, though. I just feel like the karma is shifting so hard against KC, and it's been telling us that for the whole year. And I just I don't trust them. I could actually see them as a first round exit. Um, Jacksonville currently is the four seed. This is where things get really interesting because Kansas City is locked into the three seed. Miami is basically the two or the six. Um, we talked about Cleveland being locked into the five seed. Jacksonville can clinch the AFC South and the four seed with a win, but they can also be eliminated with several scenarios. Like if they tie. First of all, if they lose at all, and if Pittsburgh wins or if Denver wins, then somebody else gets in. Denver's eliminated, so that would probably boost uh, either Pittsburgh or one of the AFC South teams. I'm not sure who. But if they lose and if the Colts tie this week with the Texans, which won't happen, then I guess the Colts would make it in, theoretically, or, or maybe the Texans would. I don't know. Um, but also, if they tie... And if Houston wins and Pittsburgh wins, they're out. Or if they tie and the Colts win and, and Pittsburgh wins, they're out. So your Steelers are relying on a Jacksonville loss to get into the playoffs to some extent as well. Well, yeah, we, uh, we'll we get to the Steelers in a second here because believe me, I got, I got plenty to say about Pittsburgh, the way <laughs> things have looked the past two weeks. Um, I think Jacksonville's going to miss. I think they're going to flat out lose to Tennessee. That's that's uh, my bold prediction for the week. I think this is Mike Rabel's last game coaching in Tennessee. I think his players will still play for him. I think guys like Derrick Henry might be in their final game here as well. Uh, divisional games are the toughest ones to win, and this Jacksonville team has looked bad in the back half of the season. Uh, we'll see Lawrence has been dinged up, and uh, so he might be back. I think he practiced or has practiced in some capacity this week, but he hasn't looked his best. I got this Jacksonville team outright losing to Tennessee. I think they will miss the playoffs. That would be pretty sweet. That would be a surprise as well, to say the least, considering <laughs> how Tennessee looked this past week against Houston. Houston. Yeah, re remember when Tennessee randomly beat Miami? You know, like they have it in them. Yeah, but that was like – that was a different Will Levis. I don't know. They're they're pretty bad. They're pretty bad. They've lost three straight. The Texans just took two of two against them. They also they've lost. Oh my gosh! I mean, if you go back one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, they're two and seven in their last nine games, and one of their wins was against the Panthers. Talking about Jacksonville or Tennessee? Tennessee. Well, I mean, Jacksonville's not too much better. I mean, they've got um, – No, you're right. Jacksonville, Jacksonville has their own flaws. I've heard that Kirk is coming back, though, this weekend. Oh, Christian Kirk is? I hadn't heard that, but – They activated um, him off IR uh, today, but there's no guarantee he's actually going to play someday. Oh, I thought you said he was just coming back. They're They're hoping he comes back. Hoping he comes back. Yeah. Well, keep in mind that this Jacksonville team has lost one, two, three, four out of their last five, and their only win is against the Carolina Panthers themselves. So they're, 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 they're far similar from resumes. Yeah. <laughs> similar resumes. 
uh, where would you rank Jacksonville amongst the other remaining eligible AFC teams? You mean the ones that are like fighting for a playoff spot that haven't clinched anything yet? Yeah, the, the teams that can still currently make the playoffs in the AFC. So I got Houston beating Indianapolis. That one's pretty no, easy. No, I, I didn't say who you have. I just said like, where would you rank them? Well, like this is the thought process that I'm that I got to do okay, to, okay, to kind okay. of figure things out. Like I don't have a ranking system in my in my head. So yeah, that's I, fair. I think I would say Jacksonville. I guess I'll give them a slight edge over Indianapolis, although that's close. Uh, so I got them above there. I got them behind Houston because I think Houston's going to beat Indy, just because C.J. Stroud's the better quarterback in that one. I'm going to trust him. Uh, they looked miles better uh, with with him back this past week against Tennessee. Huge part of their team. Um, and then the new look Steelers, I would put Jacksonville behind them right now. I, I would. I mean, the Steelers will have back-to-back games with 30-plus points. Things are starting to click there. So of the remaining teams that are competing, I guess I would have them third. So I'd put them above Indy. Um, I got them behind Buffalo, obviously, if you're counting Buffalo. I guess they are still fighting for a playoff spot, so put them fourth. So I would have Buffalo as my best team that's still fighting. Houston after that, Steelers, Jags, then Colts. So fourth. You mentioned Houston. All they have to do this weekend is win, and they're in, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. But if if they win and Jacksonville loses, they would get the division and the four seed and set them up with a matchup against the Browns, who they face – a few weeks ago and had a pretty rough showing against um, that was without CJ Stroud. If I remember correctly though. Yes, Indeed it was no CJ Stroud in that one. Yes. That was the game. Uh, they did not have CJ Stroud playing. Um, Davis mills took most of the snaps in that one. <laughs> I actually uh, have a, uh, I want to, want to get your take on this. Cause I was thinking about this before we hopped onto the yeah. podcast. Yeah. I, I've already kind of held CJ Stroud to such a high standard that I honestly think that if he loses this game to Indianapolis, it kind of tarnishes his season. Like that's our, like things have been well, great for him as a rookie so far. I know it's been, it's been phenomenal, but he's a guy I think that we're already putting on such a high pedestal and with, with how well he's played that like we are going to start expecting him to win. This is a playoff game. You, you mentioned it win and they're in. This is a playoff game for all intents and purposes. Like you expect a guy of Stroud's caliber to win these games more than not. I think it would tarnish a little, little bit of what he's done this rookie season. If he's not able to win the steward die game, wondering what your thoughts were on that. I will say this was the first game where he had, where one, he was healthy and two, he had, everybody besides tank Dell back basically who's who's done for the year like Dalton Schultz came back finally in this game Nico Collins was back finally um I think it's hard to look at it necessarily that way because had he not had that multi-week injury uh the concussion he he probably would have they would have won at least one of those other games right and they probably wouldn't even be in this situation they'd probably have 10 wins and all they would need to do again is is win and they'd be in basically um i to your i i think there's some merit to your point considering how much hype he was getting early in the year like you would think against a team that looks lesser although i wouldn't sleep on gardner Minshew and that team they've got a really creative offense built around some awesome players and taylor knock on wood is healthy again and and looked like it after this past week so yeah i i i guess i agree with you honestly i i think 
to a certain extent. I I don't know because he's a rookie at the same time. Like both, he, this feels like such a wild card game, and either way, we're going to learn a lot about the other team. And you would think that if he's the best player on the field, like people were talking about him earlier in the year, then he will do enough to rise to the occasion for them to overcome the Colts. So yeah, I guess I am with you. I guess I am with you. He has to win this week. Yeah. The way I look at it, and I'm glad you were able to come around uh, to my side on that is look with no disrespect meant to Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a bottom third starter in this league slash really high end backup. Not anymore. He's, he's gotta be like, he was, he's, he's the backup on his own team this year. He's only playing because Anthony Richardson is hurt. Okay. But he's been pretty good. Like, he, he's been solid. He's been solid, but that like his whole career, he's been a, a bottom third starter fringe, like really good backup. That's been his MO. He's been one of the best backups in football can win you games when he comes in and spot starts. Like he's not a top 15 quarterback, but we're talking about CJ Stroud as on the track to be one of the best already. I just, you know, how would we look back on his career in a couple of years if he loses this crucial game to a guy like Gardner Minshew? Again, with no disrespect, but considering the track records and the pedigrees on each side, I think Stroud's got to win it or it'll tarnish this first year a little bit. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, big game for both sides, definitely. Indianapolis can also clinch the AFC South with a win and Jacksonville loss. Um, but if they tie with Houston somehow. Which I'm rooting for. And Jacksonville loses then Indianapolis would make it in or uh, a tie and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. They make it in. Um, They win the AFC South. If they tie and Jacksonville loses, they will only make the playoffs. If it's a tie and Pittsburgh loses and say Jacksonville wins. So there's, there's a few different ends for Indianapolis. They've got some wiggle room. Um, Houston has almost as much though, because they can clin- clinch with a win. They can clinch the South with a win and a Jacksonville loss or tie, but their playoff berth could depend on a win or a tie and a Jacksonville loss and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. So if they don't win, then they have to tie and have Jacksonville and Pittsburgh lose. This is where things get really tricky. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that was like a maze you just led me through right there with all the ties and losses and certain teams losing this too much to uh, <laughs> too much to digest there. We need the the meme of the evidence board that um, I don't remember. I think it's like True Detective or something where Matthew McConaughey like steps back and there's like all these uh, thumbtacks just going like everywhere. <laughs> best best single season of television. True Detective season one. Not why we can't get too off topic, but that's just absolutely goaded. Game Great of Thrones show. season six. No, doesn't even compare. Season one of True Detective. I watch it every like two or three months. It's that good. It's never gets Damn. old. Damn. That's me with the wire. Um, also a great show. Yes, but indeed. The so once again, Houston clinches a playoff berth with a win or a tie with Jacksonville and Pittsburgh losing. So all those things would have to happen at the same time. And I got news for you. The Pittsburgh Steelers are not losing or tying. Not against the Ravens, who are going to be sitting most of their starters this weekend, who I think might want Pittsburgh to make it in. 
I don't know about that. That's where I'll disagree with you. Division rival, the Steelers have played much better the past two weeks. And you know why we've played much better? Is because Rudolph saved Christmas. Mason Rudolph <laughs> is the answer, baby. Who would have thunk it? After all these weeks running scout team, Mason Rudolph is the guy. The Pittsburgh Steelers, try, I'm sorry, not trying to get too emotional here. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win, beat the Baltimore backups. Jacksonville is going to lose, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to the playoffs. This is the the most excited I've seen you about the Steelers since right before the last time they got eliminated from the playoffs. Because we can score now. Dude, this, is, this is what I'm like. We can score. We, we're scoring points. Go back-to-back 30-point games, man. It's it's incredible. Like when we were winning these like 17, 14 games with these random turnovers and you're like, why aren't you happy? I go, because this isn't sustainable. The way that they've won the past two weeks is sustainable. They're running the ball ferociously. They dominated Seattle on the ground. And Mason Rudolph is making throws. He's making throws that neither Pickett nor Trubisky made. When was the last time you saw the Steelers offense look like this, do you think? Uh, first half of 2020 when um, – so Ben's second Before to last Ben year. got really banged up that year. So that was his first year coming off of uh, the elbow surgery, and things kind of fizzled out that that uh, that year. They started off 11-0, if you remember, and then they ended up like 12-4 and or 12-5 and and kind of limped to the finish line. But they were putting up some 30-plus point performances in, in that one. I remember a game like they beat the Browns like 38-7 to that year, and the Browns were a playoff team that year. So the 2020 season is the last time I've seen the Steelers offense look this good. The, the crazier wrinkle to me for the Steelers offense was Najee Harris. 122 yeah, yards, two well. touchdowns. It's like all, It's almost as if having a quarterback who can throw a deep ball opens up the running game. How, how about that, Patrick? How about that? <laughs> Groundbreaking stuff. Crazy idea. Whoa. Yeah. Brain blast. Um, yeah. I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell. I can tell you're excited, man. I'm mm-hmm. happy for you. Like I said, I haven't seen you excited about the Steelers definitely at oh, all yeah. this season. Not not even once. Um, I'm happy I, for Mason Rudolph, too. Like he, like, he was about to hang him up pretty much. From he said the he was, state he was of South th- Carolina. He said he was thinking about going into commercial real estate if things didn't work out. He got his chance, and now he's going to at least get offered something as a backup for somebody next year. That's pretty crazy. Um, The Steelers have another winning season under Mike Tomlin, too. This was the the streak that you were were making so much fun of earlier in the year. Um, Oh, I'm still making fun of it. They, they, They have a winning season in spite of Mike Tomlin. Really? That's how you feel? This is the worst team he's had in, in like the whole time he's been there. Disagree. He just doesn't have a quarterback. I think that top to bottom, O-line, D-line considered, and weapons, the 2021 team was worse. I think Ben Roethlisberger was just a little bit better than what they have at quarterback. Patrick, it took him 15 weeks to figure out who the best quarterback was on his roster. Yeah, he had because the best quarterback all of on his stink. roster running scout team. He put how- Mitch Trubisky in over Mason Rudolph, and that's the only reason that they're playing for their lives this week. Like I, we can't hijack times? the show. We can't hijack the show with this. But the only reason that the Steelers aren't already in a playoff spot or have it clinched is because Mike Tomlin has no idea who the best quarterback is on his roster. Not like Mason Rudolph's a stud, but he's better than Trubisky and Pickett. Listen, all I'm saying is I did this with Tommy DeVito, okay? And I did it with Jake Browning, all right? I, I refuse to do it with Bailey Zappi because I know better. And didn't want to expect anything, but just 
don't come crying to me next week about like the quarterback again if Mason Rudolph stinks against Baltimore's defense this weekend. Okay. This this is actually a fair retort. I <laughs> I, I I will I will give you I will give you this. Uh, my my point is more so that you saw how bad Trubisky was right when when he came in, and I think that you yeah. could admit you could admit <laughs> I mean, to I... me there's no excuse for playing him over Mason Rudolph. Okay, and 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 that's something Tomlin should have seen. And if he had, I think that the Steelers might already have a playoff spot locked up. That, think, that's that's the point I'm trying to make. I don't know if it was obvious the whole time that Rudolph was the best guy. I think he was just like his hand was forced. Like, all right, we may as well give this guy a shot. And Rudolph took the opportunity and ran with it. I, yeah, I don't understand. I think like you contradicted yourself. I think that the Mason Rudolph being able to do this is like it's absolutely obvious that he's better than Mitch Trubisky. No, I mean I don't do think it, I don't know if it was obvious like week one per se. Uh, maybe no, not like, week one. I mean, it's one thing to say that Mason Rudolph should have been starting the whole year. I, I just think that we've seen enough bad from Trubisky. Like Trubisky's come in at multiple different points this year, came into Jacksonville, looked horrible. I agree with you. He's he's the best Arizona. quarterback on the roster, but. Yeah, it's, it's, like, the, it's the head coach's job to see that and understand that. Yeah. I mean, simple. Yeah. That's fair. We'll see. That's all right. He found out in time. Steelers going to the playoffs. Mason Rudolph going to lead him to the Super Bowl. Well, it's going to take a like. Okay, so you told me earlier you thought that Buffalo was going to win, but you you can simply get in with a win and Buffalo losing. It's that simple. If you win and Buffalo right. loses, you're in. But I think Buffalo will win this game. <laughs> I, I told think... you. I, I told you. I think Jacksonville is the team that's going to lose, and that's our path. I think we're going to get in because we win and Jacksonville loses. That's another that's another chance. So you actually well, have a, a lot in, of different... We're in if I think he got that flipped. We're in if we win and if, if we win and the Colts and Texans tie, we're in. Doesn't matter what Jacksonville or Buffalo do. If Jacksonville loses and we win, we're no, also I was, in. I was saying if uh you can also win as long as you win and they don't have a tie, you're in. Like no, I, I'm saying that's wrong. I'm saying if we win and Indianapolis and Houston tie, that we clinch that way. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, all right. My bad. Might need to cut this then. <laughs> I completely <laughs> misunderstood you. Um, Or you can tie this weekend, which... We have a path even if we lose. Yeah, you do. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's Wait. like... Den- it- I can explain it. I I I I, re- I read into it before this. I can explain it to you if it's if it's confusing. I would rather hear about this than all these tie scenarios because the only other one that really matters is uh, Jacksonville losing and Denver winning. And yeah, that's it. That's the one. Is that's, any Den- result basically in Colts Texans and then Denver not a winning yeah. and Jacksonville losing. So if we lose, yeah, if we lose, then the Colts and Texans can't tie. What that will do, assuming that Denver wins and Jacksonville also um, wins or Jacksonville also loses in that, the loser of Texans-Colts will be 9-8, and eight, Denver will be 9-8, and eight, Jacksonville will be 9-8, and eight, and the Steelers would be 9-8. and eight. That would force a four-way tie, which would um, kick uh, – head to head out when there's more than when there's three teams or more, they don't go to head to head for the tiebreaker. And what they'll do if that many teams have the same record 
they will go to strength of victory of which the Steelers have the best strength of victory this year. And that would put us in as the seventh seed, despite losing and currently being outside of the playoffs would be bizarre. What, what does strength of victory mean? Where does that come from? What so kind of BCS mumbo jumbo is that? So like it's factoring in the winning percentages of the teams that you beat. So like Miami would, would think of it this way. Miami strength of victory is horrible. Yeah. Okay, that makes that's sense. That's how you have that's how you have to look at it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's basically it, it would basically be saying the Steelers should be in over the other teams that have the same record because the teams that they have beaten are better teams than the wins on the other on the Jacksonville's and Denver's and all those other teams' resumes. Okay. So Pittsburgh's got all sorts of ends. Wow. But they got to win. Well, they have to, maybe they not. have to win. They have to no, win. No, I guess they don't. I guess we just talked about that. They don't. Well, okay. yeah, you're right. I think it's your easiest chances though of getting in are just winning. Like that helps you so much. Um Buffalo though. I they can be eliminated too. If they lose and if the Steelers win and Jacksonville wins. And if the Colts Texans have a result, basically if like, if you get in Buffalo is out essentially. Um, well, unless Jacksonville loses, <laughs> like there's a scenario for, for, yeah, any that's combination. for everything. Right. Um, yeah. Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo is playing for the lives, all intents and purposes. It goes back to some of those head scratching losses that they've had this year, like to Denver, um, who else do they they had some really poor team on their schedule too? Their their conference record just isn't very good. Yeah, I I don't know. I just kind of feel like this is I to me, I feel like it's Baltimore or Cleveland. Like I think those are the two best teams in the conference right now. Certainly playing like it. Certainly playing like it. Lamar and Flacco, yo. Buffalo is who I would probably have as the third. No, I would put Kansas City as the third, probably. And then um, after that, it's like, who cares? <laughs> it's tough. Should we See, move on to the NFC now? Yeah. You have, some, you have something else to say. Sorry if I cut you off there. You have something no, else I, to say I was, gu- was going to say Houston would be an awesome Cinderella story, but I don't see it happening. Even Indianapolis would. like If Gardner Minshew played for an AFC championship, that would be so fun. It would be a story. America would be rooting for him. Smacked around, but um, <laughs> yeah, NFC. 49ers clinched the one seed. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Dallas has clinched a playoff berth, as well as Detroit, Philly, and LA. So there's more teams that are already in in the NFC. San Francisco, Dallas. Detroit, Philadelphia, LA. Uh, Philly is a team with a chance to move up. Whereas LA is going to be stuck in that six seed regardless. Well, they could actually move to the seven seed actually. Um, but that's, a, we'll get into it. <laughs> I need a break from the, the wins and ties and loss and, and not or tie <laughs> the, uh, the Cowboys, they can clinch an FC East with a win or with a tie and the Eagles tying. 
So both of those same things, both of those things would happen at the same time, or if just the Eagles lose. So if the Eagles lose and Dallas loses, then they're in uh, as the NFC East champs and the two seed, or I guess it could be the three seed if Detroit wins. <laughs> Who maybe should have beaten Dallas in this past game. Uh, that was Jonah. the big, big talking point from this past week. Um yeah, should I don't. Have. Should they have though? With I mean, there was the penalty, sure, but there was all sorts of other stuff happened earlier that put them in that spot in the first place. I mean, the refs got it wrong. It, you know, I understand yeah, what ha- I understand what happened. You know, not to go too much into detail on it, but like, uh, well, no, Taylor, that's... Taylor Decker is his name, uh, the lineman who reported that he was an eligible receiver. He's the one who caught the pass right. for the two point conversion, and. Um, I mean, yeah, the the ref got it wrong, said that the other uh, tackle, number 70, who was Dan Skipper, was the one who reported eligible and not Decker. So they said that it was illegal touching. Um, Apparently, Skipper had been reporting eligible in other packages and formations throughout the game. So I think that that's where part of the confusion came from. But, like, you can see it clear on the overhead shot that Decker's the one that goes up to him and and, – it's unfortunate that that happened. I kind of understand where the mistake came from, but then again, like these are professional, these officials are paid big money. They're professionals. They need to get stuff like this. Right. And I think it's more fair to criticize them over something like this than uh, a blown pass interference call, because a lot of that stuff can be subjective. This is a far more objective call. So I, I do feel for the lions in that situation. I think Dan Campbell's a little bit too much of a risk taker. And we've talked about that at plenty of different times this year, but by and large, like the call was wrong. I think Detroit should have won the game. It is what it is at this point. That's pretty crazy. There, that referee crew is also officiating Steelers Ravens this weekend. I know that's getting a lot of buzz. <laughs> oh man, imagine if something crazy like that happens again, and uh, it's like the reason why the Steelers win. I'll take it if that's what the NFL <laughs> script says. I'll take it. <laughs> oh man. So, Mason Rudolph is going to win the Super Bowl this year. Sue me. Up. <laughs> Gosh, that was horrendous. Make me want to throw up. Um, right, well, enjoy watching Bailey Zappi fight for your I don't. fourth or fifth overall pick this week. I, I want to I want us to just lose again. I hope they bench both him and Mac and just let whoever the other guy is start. I don't even know who it is. Doesn't matter. Um <laughs> no, I I actually think Dallas deserved that win through and through. Like I think they played better. Um Detroit had a missed fourth and goal from the four in the second quarter that they could have just kicked and taken three extra points. Then they gave up that insanely long touchdown to CD when they almost had Dax sacked in the end zone for a safety. Like that's inexcusable. That cover he, nobody was anybody near the guy. He was pointing at the official for the last 25 yards of the play. Um, Goff also had the pick at the end of the first fourth quarter, which gave Dallas the opportunity to hang the extra field goal on, which put Detroit in the position to decide to go for two or not. So I think this loss is just on them in general. I, I They also didn't even have to go for it for two for the third time. Like Agreed. I, they, they definitely didn't. I mean, they just the, get, get in their own way time and time and time again. I like, and I, yeah, I thought, to me. 
I love the coaching decisions. Like, again, we've talked about how uber aggressive Dan Campbell is, and I don't agree with all of his decision-making there. But, like, I can't disagree with the fact that the play worked the first time. And they also had the fake punt earlier that worked. Like, it's like we saw examples of both sides of his decision-making. We did. And, like, I would also just one other thing I wanted to say is, you know, you brought up the golf interception, uh, you know, just outside the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. Dallas had an opportunity to just run the clock out from there, and and they couldn't. You know, they had to settle for the field goal. Like, they have an opportunity to flat out end the game at that point. So, you know, you can't say that that scenario was perfect. It was it was a good play by the defender, I think, more so than a bad throw from golf. But, um, yeah, now the team is perfect. I I, I Detroit showed me something here. I, th- I think that Detroit's team like is as talented as anybody, maybe not as much so as the 49ers, but I do question some of their coaching decisions. I think this game should have at least been going to overtime. Uh, but, you know, Campbell's not that type of guy. If he won't settle for won't settle for the tie, he's always going balls to the wall, go for the win. Who has the higher ceiling between these two teams, Dallas or Detroit? I would say Dallas because I think that they're a little bit better coached. Um, well, I, th- I think that the Detroit guys love to play for Campbell, but I think McCarthy's decision-making is better, and I trust Dak Prescott a little bit more than I do Jared Goff. So for that reason, I would say Dallas, um, but not by, a, not by a wide margin. L.A., Detroit is looking really juicy. Really I love LA. I might have LA having a higher ceiling than both Dallas and Detroit. That would be really fun. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, no, actually, let's just dive right into it. The yeah, Rams, man, for it. they've clinched a playoff berth. They can they can fall back to the seventh seed if they lose this weekend and some other stuff happens. They're resting most of their starters, um, but. They're definitely looking like one of the powers of the NFC. I I don't know if I don't know if I see them knocking off San Fran head to head if everybody's playing everyone like healthy, <laughs> but maybe. I mean, McVeigh's been there, done that. Stafford was right there with them. This was just a couple of years ago. Aaron Donald's still there. Like, it's a vastly different team otherwise, but. We've seen their ability to put up points, and um, I wouldn't count them out against anybody. They played right with the Ravens, too, in that insane game a few weeks ago, and the Ravens have shown how good they are. Like That that loss actually looks so much more impressive now a few weeks later than it did when it happened. So I don't think you're, you're far off base on it, but... Like this is something I would <laughs> I would like throw like twenty bucks on just to just in case because the odds of it happening are probably insane of them making the Super Bowl. I don't know if it's as insane as you might think. I I, I kind of do give them the second best chance outside of San Francisco right now in the NFC, or at least they're they're playing like the second best team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't put them too far behind San Francisco. I do have, I, I praise San Francisco all year and I'm not wavering on that. San Francisco is the best team in the NFC without a doubt, but the Rams have just one loss in their last seven games. It is. And that yeah. was an overtime loss at Baltimore. Like, I mean, come yeah. on, dude. Yeah. You know, like they, they're, they're scoring tons of points. They're clicking. They have two legitimate pass catching options. They have a good run game. And they're very well coached. You know, they have the keys and the tools to make a deep playoff run. 
you know, they have experience, which if they face a Detroit in the first round, that's an edge they're going to have over them. I think they're going to have an edge in coaching there. Um, it's a division game if they were to get a battle with San Francisco. I, I've said many times those are the toughest ones to win. So I'm not putting anything past them. Um, I think it would be a good bet for our, our listeners out there to throw a little bit of money for them to win the NFC. Again, sticking with San Francisco as my pick, but the Rams are surging in a way that I don't think any other team in the NFC is right now. Huh. I don't know. I. By the way, also one of those wins I talked about on that stretch is a 36 to 19 win over Joe Flacco. Your boy. Your boy. Yeah, you're right. Oh, man. Don't sleep on the Rams. Don't sleep on the Rams. I was about to try to make a case against you, and then I, I couldn't. So, yeah, I guess Dallas would be the only other team that I would really. Even Detroit has some, like, like if if Campbell has a game where all of his crazy fourth down decisions work, where he he goes like ninety percent, like that's like Steph Curry like going ten of twelve from three or something like that. It's just yeah, but don't you think that's a huge if though? I mean, look at the game in it is it is Dallas, that's what I'm saying. You know the the risky decision to go for two, and we've seen you know go back to the Thanksgiving game against Green Bay, like the fake fake punt deep in his own territory. Like when have we actually seen a game where all of his crazy decisions work out? I think it's far more likely of a scenario where he gets uber aggressive in the playoffs and it backfires. And where I don't think that we're going to see that out of a McVay coach team. Well, didn't he? No, I, I was about to say they're winning against the Saints. But there was a lot of turnovers from the Saints early in that game. Um, yeah, you're right. I, I definitely trust the. I definitely trust McVay more than I would Campbell, in a big game for sure. Like I, I, I don't think I would trust Campbell. In any, like really big game, I, I it's more like just the randomness of it. Like eventually, there's gonna be a stretch where a bunch of them work out and that's kind of what he's playing at. He's just like a guy that's counting cards at the table or something, but not doing it very effectively. <laughs> I don't know. There's a better analogy for it, but you know what I mean? Like it's just rolling the dice. Well, I do have an analogy that I saw on, on social media. Um, Dan Camp Dan Campbell's like a guy who, who hits, with 20 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on the blackjack table. That, that's <laughs> yeah. that's who Dan Campbell is. There it um, is. Hey, I, I got a team that we haven't mentioned that uh, are, are we just not giving Philly any chance at all? <laughs> Dude, I, I'm so with it. They stink. They're I'm terrible. I'm there with you. I, I was terrible. reluctant. I was the reluctant Giants to are going to beat them this weekend. Tommy DeVito's coming in for the second half. They're going to win. I don't know about that, but, uh, <laughs> but like, I'm there with you. I've been reluctant. I think that you've, you know, as we've done these podcasts the last few weeks, I've been like, Oh, they'll get it together. They'll get it together. They were here. They had experience, blah, blah, blah. This no. loss from the Cardinals. I I'm there with you now, dude. I think I'm out on this team entirely. It's crazy. Well, Ky Kyler looked like vintage Kyler in that game though. Like he looks, he, well, he does he wasn't running around it like quite as much as he used to pre-injury, but he looked good, man. And they've looked pretty good for a few weeks now. They've been getting better. Trey McBride is legit. And uh, Connor, when he's actually like healthy and, and playing for him, he's pretty good for him too. Um, But no, that, like, what am I talking about? The Cardinals are one of the five worst teams in the league. 
shut up, Pat. This is inexcusable from the Eagles, and they've been struggling lately. Lost four of their last five. <laughs> um, now two of those were to the Cowboys and Niners, who are now the top two teams in the league. But, yeah, I was kind of teasing it earlier. Like, I just don't think they have the team chemistry right now. I saw something on Twitter that said that A.J. Brown took, like, half the team to, like, an escape room or something like that to try to build chemistry in week 17 of the playoffs, <laughs> not in, like, preseason or, like, off season or anything. This is week 17, and now you're trying to figure out whether you like the guy that you're lining up with. Like, I don't know, man. It's just – I, I kind of said, or like, a few weeks ago, I don't know if they know how to lose. It feels like the wheels just kind of come off. Like, there's not enough maturity there collectively on the team for somebody to, like – say hey guys like everybody calm down we're we're a good football team let's remember why and how we do it so their defense hasn't been great matt patricia has been the architect of their fall which is kind of awesome for me this is like a small retribution for him giving up 50 points to nick Foles in a super bowl who disappeared off the face of the planet he could be owning a tiki bar in like the Bahamas for all I know. I have no idea where that guy is. <laughs> he hasn't done anything since then. As far as I know, he's probably a backup for like some CFL team or maybe like, I don't know. <laughs> Am I on the right track? I see. you. I, I can't this. remember. I think Nick Foles was backing up or was on the, the practice squad for somebody at the beginning of this year, but can't remember exactly who. Somebody like, has to have signed him or was at least thinking about it with all the injuries this year, but he's not playing. Yeah, I don't know where he is. I have no idea. Um but, he's definitely a free agent right now. That's for sure. I I just I just looked it up. But I like I like your point though about you know the lack of team chemistry that I think it's I, I also don't I don't really think an escape room is how you do it. I think you go out, get some <laughs> get some beers with the boys, but um like I agree. Uh, and the other thing I've been saying where I, I've heard Philly say a lot, you know, through even some of their victories earlier in the year where they just haven't put a complete performance together yet, people will push back on them and say, well, what does that look like? And, and that, you know, they didn't really have an answer. And I said, you know, as you get to a point week eight, week 10, now, you know, week 15, 16, and you keep saying that over and over, and it's just your, your response after a win or a loss. Sometimes you just are the team that, is put out there on the field and you're you think that you're going to reach this other level with this complete performance that you're just not capable of. I think that that's what's happened with Philadelphia here. And I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Jalen Hurts deserves some blame as well. Not terrible in this one, even though he only threw for 167 yards, but like hasn't been great. He's turned the ball over a good amount this year. We'll see. I don't, I don't consider them a threat anymore. It's crazy to say that they're going to have to go on the road probably the whole time unless Dallas chokes here at the end. I don't think that's a good formula for them. They've struggled away from Philadelphia. So yeah, playing you, you, at home is such a big part of their whole deal. It feels like <laughs> like away, away from Philly. They're just not as scary. Yeah. And they have to win and, and the Cowboys have to lose for them to move up. Like, or they can tie and the Cowboys lose, but that's it. Yeah, but the Cowboys have the commanders. So what's the opportunity? What's the odds of that? Yeah. Hey, Jacoby Brissett, baby. You never know. 
never know. Um, the NFC South, which we, you've hated talking about all years, where things get a little bit weird. Because no, but we've talked about the NFC South as much as any division in football. So why stop now? <laughs> well, hey, it, now it means something because it does. Yeah, they have three teams eligible for playoff spots, which um, it's quite a bit actually. The NFC West also has three teams eligible. That well. Every team but the enemy, every division but the NFC East doesn't matter. Um, so with the Falcons and the Buccaneers and the Saints and the NFC South, things get a little bit more interesting. Uh, Tampa can clinch the NFC South with a win or a tie, and a Saints loss or tie, but at the same time. The Saints can clinch the NFC South with a win and Tampa Bay loss or tie. And the Falcons can clinch the NFC South with a win and a Tampa Bay loss. That's the most simple, actually, is if the Falcons win and the Buccaneers lose uh, and the Saints lose, then Atlanta's just good. It's crazy to me. I, I like All year we've been sarcastically arguing about which team is or i've been arguing with myself about who the best team in, in the south is and you've been like let's talk about something else pat but um i would say tampa i don't know man this could go either way I, there's so many different well that's exactly that's exactly the point i was making just when i thought i really did think that we had a clear cut best team in the NFC South, like the saints go on the road and they beat the bucks and Baker Mayfield doesn't look the same that he has all year. Yeah. He throws for over 300 yards, but he has two picks to go with it. Um, great job by the saints to stay alive here. I mean, I'm still, I'm still taking the bucks cause it's just, you know, win and get in obviously as they, they just got to go beat the Panthers on the road now. Yeah. You um, think easy, right? Yeah. It should be fine. But it has been such a back and forth division all year. I think that this Saints Bucks game this past weekend is just further evidence of that. I think the schedule shakes out well for Tampa Bay here to just take care of business against Carolina. Um, but I think of them a little bit less dominantly than I was after that 30 to 12 win against Jacksonville, for sure. You also have to look at a team like Green Bay who can clinch the sixth seed with a win. And a Rams loss. So those teams could possibly flip. And that would just like simplify the whole thing. Like everybody else would just be done. If if Green Bay, Green Bay wins, um, then they're good. Um, or if they tie and Seattle loses or ties, but the Saints also lose or tie. There, there's a bunch of different possibilities for, for Green Bay. My favorite is um if the Vikings just lose or tie and the Seahawks also do, and the Buccaneers also do. There's some weird Minnesota losing possibilities where if Green Bay loses, they're okay. Um, Seattle's is a little bit weirder. Like if they if they don't win, they almost have to tie and hope for other losses or ties. But they can simply just win and have Green Bay lose, and they're good. So. Minnesota, I think, is the team that Minnesota and Atlanta, I just don't think have a chance, really. Um, or if they somehow make it in, I, I don't think they would last very long. Um, do you disagree? 
Um, no, I, I think that I think that the simplest scenario that you said with Green Bay winning is what we're going to see. And the NFC playoff picture is going to be a little bit mundane and not 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 that much flair to it. Green Bay gets Chicago at home here. Jordan Love has 30 touchdowns on the year, man. I don't people I don't think have given him enough love. He's got pun nice. intended there. Nice. Uh, Fields has been great recently, though, too. He's been solid, but I'm going to take Green Bay at home, man. I, Jordan Love is going to throw for over 4,000 yards this year and has 30-plus passing touchdowns. He's on his way to being a really, really good quarterback, and really good quarterbacks win games like this at home, win and get in situations. Uh, Green Bay and, and L.A. were our two teams back about a month ago, maybe I know, five yeah. weeks ago that we said we're on the outside looking in that are going to get in. I'm going to stick with fifth and long on this one. One of the few predictions I think we've actually looked good on I got Green Bay winning this game at home. Packers have dominated the Bears in, in recent history. I think it continues. I know Fields has played well, but so has Love. I want Fields to to go off in this game so that the Bears definitely don't take a quarterback at number one or trade off of it or something. <laughs> don't the Bears have some convoluted or no, they they got they would no, they're out. If they, but they were only eliminated at the end of Sunday night football, I think. They, they, there was some crazy way that if that game was a tie or something, that they still would have had a chance to get in. Unbelievable. That's the so extra ridiculous. team, man. That's 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 what this does. The fact that there's a seventh team that makes the playoffs in each conference allows well, and an extra more teams to be too. in it. And the extra week allows more teams to be in it longer and later into the season. It's that's it's all business. It's crazy. Just absolutely absurd. So yeah, like I don't. I guess New Orleans could somehow – it's really just like Seattle has the best chance of getting in. If Green Bay loses, then Seattle would just have to win and they're good. So that's that's the only other team that really has a chance at this point, which I don't think is as good as any of the other teams. Like I don't think any of these other teams are as good as the seven we just listed. Where's the uh, Where's the Saints game? That That's – I think that's an interesting do they play at home or do they got to go on the road all right they're at home so here's here's the picture that i could paint for new orleans what's their path do they have any path to get in yeah the saints are winning that game the saints are winning that game so i think they, they should they should win they can clinch the nfc south with a win and a tampa bay loss or a tie in a tampa bay loss but they can get into the playoffs with a win and, and Seattle losing and Green Bay losing. So they're the team that I think has, I kind of even like their chance better a little bit than, um, I, don't yeah. think Green Bay, I don't think Green Bay is going to lose, but I like their chance a little bit better than Seattle because I don't know if I want to play Arizona right now. Arizona has no, <laughs> played much better since Kyler Murray has come back. That's a team that you would think would have just folded and packed it in. And like Jonathan Gannon has been made fun of throughout the course of the season for that like crap motivational speech or whatever he gave at the beginning of the year, but his players play hard for him, man. Yeah. They play hard throughout the course of the season. I wouldn't really want to play them if I'm Seattle right now. And I think that there's a reasonable chance Arizona could go in and play spoiler against the Seahawks as well. So if there is a team, a wild card team on the outside looking in, that if things go their way, I think it would be the Saints because I do like their chances to win at home against Atlanta. And then feasibly, you have Chicago and Arizona playing good ball 
that could maybe take down Green Bay and Seattle. I don't think so, but New Orleans is like my like long shot maybe to make the playoffs if I had I, to pick one. I really wouldn't sleep on the Bears beating the Packers this weekend. They they've looked like a different team recently. They've lost they've won four of their last five with wins against uh Detroit and Minnesota and Atlanta. All these teams are kind of in the same like sort of area. Um, do you do you want to make that our bet? Packers Bears. You seem mm-hmm. to be pretty high on Chicago. It's a three point spread. Green Bay the favorite. I'll give you the points. I, I'll give you. I'll give you Chicago plus three if you want it. I'm trying to see if there's a different game um, that we might disagree on. No, I feel like. Well, Bills Dolphins. We were on the other side up too. Either either one of those. Or we could do both. Double feature? Yeah, double feature. Why not? It's 2024, man. Double feature. All right, I'll take Packers minus three, and then what's the Bills spread? Oh, so Bills are minus three. I'll take both Packers and Bills minus three. You want Dolphins and Bears plus three? Yeah, for sure. I'll take it. All right, let's do it. Handshake. shake. Yep. All right. There it is. Best of luck. I like that. That's going to be fun, actually. 425. And then the eight twenty. So we got a, uh, we got our our Sunday evenings planned out basically. I'm off all Sunday Indeed, we do. too. Stoked about fun. that. NFL did a good job planning the schedule, getting it all set, based on uh, who needs to win and lose here down the stretch. So to recap, in the NFC, Paul and I both have some order of 49ers, Cowboys, Detroit. Tampa, Philly, LA, Green Bay making the playoffs. In the AFC, I feel like our our groups are slightly different, <laughs> but not by much. You yeah, have I feel like I kind of dominated the AFC discussion. I'm sorry. I don't know if I actually got your your seven best. So go ahead, list them, and then I'll I'll reiterate mine. I don't think we either of us did it honestly. So go no ahead, you to, go first. No need to apologize. It's okay. Um. See, Paul and I don't always fight, guys. <laughs> uh, Baltimore, definitely making it in. Miami, definitely making it in. Kansas City's already in. Jacksonville, I think. I think Jacksonville's going to win this week. I don't think the Titans are. Uh, I don't think the Titans are going to beat them. Um, Like, they're not very good. Regrettably, <laughs> uh, I think they'll win. Um, Cleveland's locked into the five. Then I think it's uh, Houston. I think definitely gets in. And Buffalo. Yeah, so Buffalo would be six. Houston would be seven. Cleveland, five. Jacksonville, four. Or yeah, so so honestly, not much changing. I really, I just have Indy and Houston switching from uh, eight and seven. Right, I've got um, I got Baltimore at the one, obviously Miami, Miami losing to Buffalo. So I guess I would then have um, Buffalo as the two seed, Kansas City as the three, 
Uh, I said I have Jacksonville losing to Tennessee this week, and I have Houston beating Indy, so I have Houston sliding up into the four. Cleveland's locked at the five. Uh, that would mean that uh, I'm missing here. Uh, sorry. So I got Miami. Miami then would go to the six. Sorry, forgot about them. And then my Pittsburgh Steelers at seven. So Baltimore, Buffalo, Kansas City, Houston, Cleveland, Miami, Pittsburgh, my seven AFC teams. Okay. I like that. Love to see if it plays out that way, I guess. Oh, probably won't play out exactly that way. I'm not that good or else I would have won more money gambling, you know? <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too, Polly. Me too. Um, okay. Fantasy football week 17 awards. This is the last regular season awards week. And uh, I left out a, you let the whole team down because there was a lot of injuries and kind of randomness, uh, Difficult, difficult to pick you at the whole team down this week. So I narrowed it down to just four awards. I'm not trying to degrade anybody in the last weeks of the season. It's a long year. Things happen. We all, we all have bad games, you know. So discount double stack award. There was a couple of different candidates. Almost went with uh, a Raiders duo here. Instead, I decided to go with Jordan Love and Jaden Reed. And this one for me because Jaden Reed didn't even play the whole game. And after Reed went out, he got replaced by this guy. I I'd never heard of. And he also went off for like 20 plus fantasy points, like playing essentially in uh Reed spot. Um, what was his name? Uh, Bo Melton signed off the practice squad. Like this past week, <laughs> I mean, well, that's why you've never heard of him. Seriously, it's like Jordan Love with it, with read or pick a receiver. Basically, I feel like you're going to get points out of him. Um, they combined for 52.34 points before Reed left with a chest injury. X-rays were negative on Reed, so he's questionable to play this week against Chicago. I think that's a big uh, question mark actually for the Packers. Love has shown inability to spread the ball around and get other guys involved but um also i like reed's been their guy he's been a touchdown monster for them recently he's been a huge huge dude for them in the passing game too and and just keep in mind what i've been saying all year about green bay youngest team in the nfl a lot of young weapons first second year guys jordan love in his first full year starting it's going to continue to grow and blossom next year. I'm telling you, get invested in Green Bay pass catchers and Jordan Love next year in fantasy uh, because I think it's going to be good value for where you, where the where those guys are going to go in drafts. That is our discount double stack award winner team of the week. Jordan Love and Jaden Reed, our discount double stack duo. Um, the Elvis Presley Award. This I, I had to think about a little bit differently this week because there are there were a collection of guys that stepped into different roles and sort of played different things or did different things. So I almost wanted to use this award as a as an opportunity to give the listeners uh, a chance to pick up somebody for next week or keep them in their lineups or, or whatever the case may be. So um, first off, Johnny Munt tight end from the Minnesota Vikings filling in for TJ Hawkinson after Hawkinson was placed on IR. Mr. Munt 
I love his name, by the way. Such a football name. Johnny Munt. Are you kidding me? He sounds like he played for the Packers in like 1950. <laughs> Dude, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking like those like leather helmet type long yeah. sleeve football t-shirts. That's it. Old Johnny Munt, you know, Red- punches it in from the two or something. <laughs> Red Grange and Johnny Munt. Yeah. Um, he had four receptions for 39 yards. He had seven targets in the game, which is actually a similar sort of target share to the low end of what you could expect for Hawkinson. So uh, he also scored a touchdown uh, this past week. You may think that there's an opportunity for Minnesota to really try to put him to good use in an offense that is struggling to find ways to really find success without uh, with, with the exception of Justin Jefferson. Um, Yeah. Go get Johnny Munt. If you need a tight end, I'm actually using him in my, the second part of my fantasy championship this week, which one, I hate two week leagues Two, I'm going to lose this league because I forgot that Dustin Hopkins wasn't playing last week. You, for, you forgot. I forgot. I just didn't get a kicker and I missed out on a roster spot. The biggest moment of the year, Patrick, unbelievable. And, and now my, my Taylor Swift minions are relying on uh, Travis Kelsey to have like 50 points or something, which would be crazy, but he's not even going to play probably. Um, I echo your sentiment. I I don't do the two week league. And um, I think furthermore, what I like, you can't have a fantasy league go into week 18. And if you have Lamar Jackson, that's just, that's just wrong, you know, because he's going to sit this week. Like you can't, you can't have that. I'm not a fan of the two week league fantasy weeks should end the, week before the nfl regular season ends test your skills as a fantasy manager though i I will say i will say um i've got some interesting starts this week in that league that's for sure darius slayton or wandale robinson giants fans let me know please (laughs) uh elvis presley award winner the the overall champion for this week is going to go to zamir white who has shown a body of work performance uh sometimes the, the the academy quote unquote, will not just give out Oscar awards. There are also awards in show business given to uh, people for lifetime achievement awards. Zamir White is still a very young player in the NFL, but he's averaging 15.53 points the last three three weeks, filling in for Josh Jacobs. If Jacobs sits again this week, throw him in your starting lineup. He's a guaranteed flex, if not maybe an RB2, I would say. Love those running back handcuffs, man. Yeah, good call. I mentioned Darius Slayton a minute ago. He's our part of my uh, put me in coach award winner. I almost said part of my take. Put me in coach award winner. Darius Slayton, 20.6 fantasy points this past weekend. Um, he's only rostered in like 3.6% of leagues, but he had four receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. He's shown some big play capability the last couple of weeks. And I, um, He's who I who I might be using as a flex play this week. It's it's gonna be Harry. We'll see. I, I've got a few not so great options, and he's one of them. But shoot, if he goes off for twenty plus fantasy points again, I'll be very happy with it. Yeah, man. Tyrod Taylor shown ability to get the ball, so I know that you're still pining for Devito, but we shall see. No, I, Tyrod. I think it might be more beneficial to Slayton if Tyrod's in there. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think it definitely is not the first shade on cutlets. But <laughs> no, I love cutlets. Just a fact. 
Justice Hill was my runner up for the part of my for the put me in coach award winner. Do that again. Um, he had 19.7 fantasy points this week and kind of showed ability in both areas for the Ravens. He almost had an a la uh, Keaton Mitchell performance. I was really close to using him as an Elvis Presley award winner, but uh, Justice Hill has been established in the league for a while. I felt like that would be disrespected, uh, disrespected to his tenure as an NFL vet. So he's rostered in 16.6% of leagues right now. Still room for, for guys to pick him up if you need a running back for this week, especially considering the Ravens are most likely going to be sitting Gus Edwards or not giving him quite as many touches. Um, he had three carries last week for 48 yards, five receptions for 64 yards and a touchdown. PPR managers, go get this guy. He's going to help you out if you need some running back depth for sure. And he should uh, he should get a good workload because Baltimore is probably going to sit guys like Gus, maybe not entirely, but reduce his workload. Uh, Lamar won't be in there to steal carries. Uh, could be a good week for Justice Hill. Tyler Huntley almost runs as much, if not more, than Lamar, honestly. Yeah, he's a similar type player. I'm just saying Lamar's or uh he's Huntley's not as dynamic as as Lamar and um just might not naturally have the ability to take away some runs and rushing yards and touchdowns that Lamar might have. Speaking of which, Lamar was my runner up for this week's MVP. 38.34 fantasy points. More than 21 points above his weekly average for the season. 18 of 21 passing, 325 yards, five touchdowns, six carries, 35 yards. You and I talked about earlier the Ravens being the best team in the league, and part of it was Lamar having the performance that he did. And um, it's tough to argue with that. I, I actually can't believe I didn't pick him as my MVP this week, but I picked him yeah, and I disagree that. with who your MVP is as well, though he had a good week, but we'll get to him in a second. <laughs> <laughs> I I think I I think there's an argument that you may have here. I, I may switch these around if you overrule me aggressively. You have the power to do so. Um Lamar, I think probably more fantasy major managers in championship games had him playing as well. Or or should I say I think he was probably playing in more championship games and fantasy leagues than Devontae was, but I'm playing against Devontae right now, not not Lamar. So I, I had that sort of engraved in my brain. Um, 13 receptions, 126 yards, two touchdowns, 33.1 fantasy points. He had 20 targets in the game. Like, they're just sending the ball his way. There's room for even more fantasy point, fantasy growth there with that kind of target share. That's the scary part. Yeah, um, Devontae's, I mean, Devontae's not a terrible pick. Um, I, I think Lamar kind of would deserve it over him just because he's he's the quarterback there, did have five touchdowns, um, had more total points. But believe it or not, I <laughs> I don't even think Devontae was the best receiver out there this week in fantasy. C.D. Lamb would have been my MVP, man. You know what his, his stat line looked like? 13 for 227 and a touchdown. Um you are the awards maker, so I will respect your opinion here. But I personally think I'd like to at least nominate CeeDee Lamb myself because I think that he put in a great A performance. He's had a phenomenal year all year long in the receiver spot. I'm sure that he helped plenty of teams win their fantasy championships this week. 
I mean, you're the commissioner, man. If you have the power to do anything you want in this this league, this league is is also your domain. If you want to overrule me on this, I'm giving you the power to do so. I'm not like I'm notice I'm not like necessarily pushing back, honestly. That's all right. Like I think there's room for an argument. I will uh I will make so all right, if you're gonna give me the power here uh on what for most leagues should be your final fantasy week. And it's a sad day when, when fantasy football ends, I'm going to make the co MVPs of the championship round, Lamar Jackson and CD lamb. It's too difficult for me to decide between the two. I'm going to, I have to imagine both guys helped a lot of teams out there win titles, Lamar Jackson, CD lamb, co MVPs in the most important week of the fantasy year. There you go. Lamar Jackson, CD lamb difference makers in fantasy football i can't believe it man it's it's been a long year it's been a fun fantasy football year and i'm i'm sad it's coming to an end yeah it's it is sad when it comes to an end uh we're still going to do our our end of season like awards right oh yeah oh yeah okay next week yeah after some of those week 18 championships conclude so i am looking forward to that one last little glimpse of fantasy before we head into the off season. It's, it's sad in general this time, you know, college football just has one more game. The NFL regular season's winding down. The playoffs will be cool, but you know, if your team's not in it, that kind of stinks and you know, fantasy's over. So, uh, and the worst thing about it is March madness is still two weeks away. Gives you a, an idea into my mind, how I think. I think, I think we should have some really fun. Um, I think we should have some really fun content for that fantasy so I think we should just do a standalone thing for it too. Honestly, just have a fantasy football dedicated send off to the year. I'm game. What do, you, what do you think? Your game? I'm game. Yeah. Okay, we can make that happen for sure. Let's uh, let's lab some ideas for awards this week. We'll make it happen. We we will definitely take some listener submitted uh, requests or nominees as well. We we've had a few come in already, which I, I will share with you. Um, Excellent. So. I'm looking forward to that, but we've got, we've got a lot this week. We're going to have some, some college football stuff after the national championship. We're going to have a playoff preview for the NFL fantasy football send off as well. The the hot stove is starting to heat up some more in, in baseball as well, perhaps uh, with the turn of the new year. So I'm excited, man. A lot of good things coming for fifth and long in 2024. Not to mention maybe a coach firing or two to talk about um, as we <laughs> hit the end of the regular season. I, that was not a, a thinly veiled reference reference towards Tomlin. That was that was just talking in general about NFL coaches being fired. I thought that was you teasing Tomlin. I didn't even think no. about uh, Black Monday as it's called. Yeah, right? exactly. That's what I, that's what I was referring to. So there will be plenty to talk about as there was yeah. this week. This time next week, we could be talking about. No, I'm not even going to say it. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. We're not going there right now. Not right now. A post-Bill world is, I think, what you were going to say. Nope. That's not what I was going to say. Post-Mike Brable in Tennessee. Post-Ron Rivera in in, uh, in Washington. Yeah, those are two likely candidates. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll see. I would take Brable helping out in New England in some way. Just in some way. Not like. Not as a head coach. coach. Not as a head coach, I don't think. No, that's not the direction I want to go. But if Bill's sticking around, I wouldn't mind Brable coming in and helping out. Gotcha. We'll 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 get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. Anyways, Paul, any final thoughts for this episode? I just want to say to to all the uh our fantasy players out there, um, 
hope that you enjoyed the fantasy season as much as we did. Um, hope you enjoyed the fantasy content. Like I said, we have just one week left. And to uh, anybody with NFL teams still in the playoff hunt, best of luck. Unless, of course, you're facing my team or competing with my Steelers to get in. I'm really looking forward to it. We have like a great week of football coming up and then wildcard weekend now with the extra game is, is always crazy too. So it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun talking football. Glad to keep doing it here for the next month or so. And then listeners get ready because it's about to be college basketball season and March Madness is around the corner. And that is going to be a huge talking point for us. So I'm excited going forward. Me too, my friend. Me too. All right, fifth and long fans. Thanks again for tuning in. Check us out on the socials, Fifth and Long on Twitter, Fifth and Long Pod on Instagram and YouTube. From myself, Patrick Jamar, and the commish, Mr. Kashak. We'll see you next time, right here on the Fifth and Long Podcast. God bless.